In this episode of the Smart City Podcast, I have a really great conversation with Dean Madison. Dean is the founder and CEO of TD Madison and Associates. Dean has a background in broadband and we first start talking about IoT and the next generation of services. Uh, we then talk about how we need to start applying 21st century solutions to our current day problems. Dean is passionate about empowering cities to manage their own complex services and resources. And we also talk about the idea of buying back time and setting up the right foundational infrastructure for a smart city. Dean then shares some of the things he's currently working on, which includes setting up this foundational infrastructure. He also talks about setting up a smart city ecosystem of open data to allow integration. We then talk about some of the emerging trends, particularly the economic and environmental impacts of not implementing smart city practices. We finish on talking about using technology instead of trying to build our way out of congestion. As always, I hope you enjoy listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. It's the Smart City Podcast. Whoa, with smart city experts, here we go. Connecting smart technology, both big and small. Smart cities are making life better for all. Big data, emerging trends, self-driving cars and more. The Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for. Hello, Dean. How are you? I'm great. How are you doing this afternoon? Awesome. Can you tell us a little bit about your background and what you're passionate about? You bet. I'm the founder and CEO of TD Madison & Associates. We are a retained executive search firm that's focused on uh, the broadband community as well as the innovation uh, community that is really very much focused on the future. Um, My background uh, I actually came out of the broadband industry and have been in the executive search industry now for about 30 years. Yeah, cool. So what kind of sparked your interest in this smart city space? Wow, that's a great question. You know, there's so many different things that are going on. And, and probably the first thing that really kind of got my attention toward it, you know, is the broadband industry. If we stop and think about where we're going to be over the next three to eight years, and we look at the number of IoT devices that are going to be in the marketplace, uh, and it's just astronomical, as we all know. But the reality of the IoT devices are really dependent on a very strong broadband network. And that's really what has got our interest as a firm uh, intrigued with the whole smart city concept. Uh, Some of our activity has been really focused around uh, future developments in fiber optics, in Wi-Fi, um, in small cell deployments, in 5G, uh, cybersecurity, and all of these are dovetailing into the IoT uh, generation. Um, you know, we think of IoT today, and, and most of us, you know, think about IoT in terms of of, of more of the residents. Um, in thinking about smart lights and um, doorbells and things of that nature. But, you know, there is such a broader concept behind the, the, the idea of IoT. And as you start to think about cities and how they can actually benefit from this next generation of services, uh, to me, that's really very exciting. If you think about the challenges um, you know, it, with managing cities at this stage, and whether it's here in the U.S. or anywhere on the country, it, we've got an influx of people moving into the cities. Congestion is just uh, getting really very challenging. Um, finding parking places, you know, pollution, 
all these issues are really starting to come front and center. The other real challenge facing a lot of the cities today is where do they get more revenue to build new roads and new waterways, um, new parking garages? And, you know, as we've seen over the years, even going out and building a new road, it's kind of a 20th century philosophy that really doesn't seem to work. So we really need to start applying the 21st century kind of technology, and it kind of goes back to the IoT. But to do any of that, you have to have an infrastructure. So as you stop and take two steps back, there are really those two components. It's, you know, it, it's a strong broadband network. And, of course, you know, here in the U.S., we're starting to really see that as becoming kind of too divided. Um, and what I mean by that is, in a lot of cases, uh, the state of Tennessee, the state of Colorado have really started to allow organizations, or I shouldn't say organizations, cities to provide their own broadband networks and compete against the, the larger incumbents. In, in this particular case, it could be a Comcast or a Charter or an AT&T or a Verizon. Um, and so th that really starts some very interesting debates as we start to move forward, especially as it relates to smart cities. So I think it's a very exciting time. Yeah, cool. So tell us what a smart city is to you. That's, you know, that's another good question. You know, to me, a smart city really kind of goes back to, you know, to the citizens. Um, and, and how do we, you know, as local municipalities, really provide a better quality of life, you know, for, for the citizens? Um, and, and so when I think about smart cities, I think about citizens, I think about their ability to get around, to have access to information, um, to find parking, um, and probably uh, the most important is to, to maximize resources. Uh, you know, corporations you know, over the last decade has really been focused on technology and driving costs out of its operations. You know, the cities are very challenged in this regard, and it's not due to necessarily, you know, leadership challenges. But the complexity of these organizations, and you think about, you know, water systems that have been in the ground now for decades, and the challenges of when these things, you know, erupt, it's such a disruption to the community because you lose water service, but it's also a disruption in terms of the, the highway and the street systems. So, so to be able to get ahead of some of these kind of challenges, I just think make for a much better living scenario for, for the citizens. Um, I think about commute times, uh, and it's not uncommon in whether you're in Barcelona or whether you're in New York or San Francisco. Um, you know, commute times have now just become just outrageous. People are commuting hours at times to get in. And, and to have you know, the ability to control based upon congestion, the traffic lights could save literally, you know, 20, 30 minutes on somebody's commute who's, you know, who's already doing an hour plus. So to me, that's kind of the exciting part about this. Yeah, cool. So tell us why you think that this smart city concept is so important. Well, again, I think it goes back to, to, to managing resources. Um, again, you know, in the U.S., we've had some economic downturns. Uh, you know, not in the last couple of years, but prior to that time. And it really has stretched uh, the resources for states as well as cities. And I would assume this is the same case all over the world. So it's really about managing resources at, at the same time, really kind of 
enhancing the, you know, the quality of life for their citizens. The, uh, the president of Bell Labs, um, Nokia, is Marcus Weldon. And, and, and Marcus talks a lot about you know, creating time as, as where we're at in this next era. And, and I think, you know, this to me applies to that, to smart cities. Again, you know, I think about, you know, trying to find a parking space, um, and how I drive around, you know, block after block. And it's just, I'm waiting for that one, one spot to open up to have access to technology that it says, you know, there's a space open a hundred feet on the right hand side would just be incredible. Um, so to me, that's, again, that's part of what I, I think is the, the real definition as we go forward, creating more time for the citizens and to, and, and to allow those individuals to, to really live a better life. And it's whether it's a, something as simple as, you know, a parking lot or, you know, having access to the environment and the sensors in, in terms of the pollution. Um, you know, again, we live in some you know, big cities that obviously have a lot of pollution and we've got to figure out ways to continue to, to eliminate that. And once again, I, I see, you know, the smart city approach really being able to tackle a lot of these fundamental challenges that we're seeing globally. Mm. Yeah, I like that. I like the um, idea of buying back time. Um, and some of these really simple things. Yeah, it, it is. I mean, and we talk about, you know, again, all these great um, you know, futuristic kind of services that are frankly are, are available today. But the problem is, you know, there's not an infrastructure yet there uh, to support it. And, and, and that's really kind of the fundamental challenge where we're at today. And, and, and Marcus talks about, you know, the, the, what he refers to as the X network, future network. Um, and, and he really talks about, you know, two elements of that. You know, one is the capability of, of, of bandwidth, i.e., you know, the capacity, whether it's a, a wire or a wireless network, um, but also the ability to, to eliminate uh, latency. And you, and you think about, you know, some of the requirements going forward, you know, for a smart city, it's going to require both of these as foundations. And, and we're not quite there yet. I mean, I think we're, we're getting very close. The technology is not in its prime, but we're again we're we're starting to see trials all over. Um, that once this really starts to move forward, then we'll move into this whole deployment period where it's going to take several years. And um, and and frankly, you know, I see this happening more in, in the metropolitan areas than I'd see in the rural markets, um, because again, that's where really where a lot of the challenges exist today. Yeah, cool. So how do you think that the U.S. is embracing this smart city concept? I think it's starting. Um, it's like anything else. Uh, it takes time. Um, we've, you know, one of the real challenges is, you know, when you're not necessarily dealing in a greenfield opportunity and you have existing networks in place, whether they're wireless or wireline. Um, so again, there's a lot of the challenges associated with that. And as I alluded to earlier, we're seeing in the U.S., uh, this new discussion around, you know, whether the, you know, the internet should be a, a utility or, and, and be, you know, frankly owned as a nonprofit, um, like any, like water or gas or electrical, or, or should it still be a, a private endeavor, which is funded by, um, you know, individuals and, you know, and that's still a large debate. And, and I think, you know, um, in some of the cities where they're progressive leaders, um, they look at what's coming and, you know, their challenges. Do I wait on the incumbents 
or, or do I move forward in building out my own network? And that brings up a whole nother issue is whether municipalities should be in the for-profit business. Yeah. Yeah. It is an interesting um, topic and debate. And I'm interested to hear, because I know you've been working on some projects and things. So let's jump into that now. Um, can you tell us what things and projects you've been working on at the moment? Yeah, I think there's a couple of things that are very relevant to this. You know, one of the the, uh, the organizations that we support is for the cable TV industry globally, uh, and it's an organization called Cable Labs, and they're focused on innovation over look, and they define innovation over the next three to eight years, and, and and that's where we have spent a lot of time working with scientific individuals globally on, on these new opportunities, and whether it's you know, how do we increase increase the capacity of fiber optics? You know, how do we convert Wi-Fi hotspots into uh, um, that can, can upload into an LTE network? Uh, cybersecurity, again, and we, you know, globally, it, you know, cybersecurity is becoming such an issue and there'll never be a network that's not uh, capable of, of locking people out, right? I mean, that's that's part of that real challenge. So security becomes a whole n- another issue. Um, so a lot of those projects that really kind of st- start talking about where the industry is going to go, you know, over the next three to eight years. And it's very, very fascinating from that perspective. Um, the, the other real project that we've just wrapped up, I think it's a very fascinating one, is actually working with a municipality in the state of Colorado where they decided as a forward-thinking leadership that they wanted to be a gig city. And they went to their incumbent providers and they talked to them about, you know, what their goals and desires are. And um, and unfortunately, the incumbents were not in a position to be able to do that for them. And, and so the city embarked on building an 800-mile fiber optic, you know, fiber to the home uh, network that will have that capabilities of providing the foundations for a smart city. Um, so, so it's, it's all this is starting to tie together. Uh, then as you start to look at, again, as the IoT providers and whether they're smart streetlights and uh, all this starts to really have a platform to run on. So it, this is all becoming a reality. Uh, unfortunately, just, you know, it, it takes time because these, you know, the, these are not greenfield opportunities. Um, there are existing uh, challenges uh, in the marketplaces, but at the same time, I think progressive leaders are looking at this and thinking, you know, how do we do better? How do we how do we better manage our resources? And, and whether those are, are, are natural or other, um, you know, there's just a limitation. And we can only go back to the citizens so much for for additional revenue, uh, taxations, and uh, and whether that's you know for license plates or whether it's toll roads or whatever the case may be, um, you know, you, cities have to become more, more efficient. Um, so these projects all tie back into that. And, and, and you know, one of the things that we kind of talked about was the passion. And for, for us at TD Madison, not only do we have a passion for technology and, and in improving, uh, as Marcus Weldon said, you know, to create time, but also the people behind that. Technology is just technology. It's, you know, it's the people who bring it together. And we have been very fortunate to be in this circle uh, where we're able to, to, to reach across, you know, the pond per se and, and find that level of talent globally uh, that can really start to address and, and solve some of these unique challenges. Mm. 
Yeah. Cool. Well, that kind of leads into my next question because I think um, thinking globally is really important um, as well as just thinking, um, you know, integrating across the different disciplines that we're already kind of working with. So how do you think we can better integrate across the different disciplines, governments, academia, and industry? Yeah. That, you know, to me, that's probably is one of the biggest challenges. Um, again, you stop and think about the whole ecosystem and in anybody that you talk to, you know, obviously, you know, you get excited about hearing the various sensor technology that they're developing. You know, you take for an example, the parking space, you know, um, that has to have a sensor, you know, that light pole has to have a sensor and, and you could be able to pull, you know, certain data from that. But ultimately, that's only a part of the equation. The bigger part of the equation, it becomes really about uh, open data. And then to me, that really is going to be the biggest challenge and, and maybe one of the largest impediments going forward, because we're going to have to figure out, you know, licensing agreement that is going to allow, you know, both, you know, whether it's municipalities or whether it's corporations or individual access to data. If we have, again, this quote unquote open data format where people can go in and access us, and again, there's there's sensitivity, obviously, to, to privacy issues. Um, but, it, but but to me, you know, figuring out how to connect that sensor, to, you know, to a broadband network, you know, to me, that, that stuff is, is being done today and those problems are being solved today. But the biggest problem is you've got to have to have that, you know, that capability to access that data. Because the data is really where the answers are. And, and obviously, as you know, I mean, it's not just the data. It's now being able to, to analyze that data, which really takes us back into AI and machine learning. Because ultimately, as we talk about capacity and low latency, these are all going to be happening in real time. And there's no way that a human is going to be able to really be able to do this. So we're going to have to rely on technology to do it. And, and it goes back... Without the data, without having open data, it's going to be a, you know, to me, that, that really is the real challenge in going forward is how do, how do we manage those license agreements? Mm, yeah, cool. No, that, that's, um, an interesting way to think about it. And I think it's so true. Let's talk about emerging trends. Now I'm really keen to hear about what do you think that people aren't talking about enough in this space? Yeah, you know what? That's a great question. I mean, we all get fascinated about, you know, the glitzy, you know, technology and, and what it's capable of. And, um, and, and I think that's, you know, that's the case. Um, what I don't think people are talking about is really the economic impact of going forward. Um, and I think uh, Jupiter Research came out and estimated by 2021 that, that cities that are implementing this could save potentially as much as $19 billion in savings. That's what we need to be talking about. It's not just the savings in terms of, of, of cash, but it's also the impact on the environment. You know, we've got, we all recognize the challenges behind, um, you know, greenhouse pollution and, and, you know, heating up of the climate. And, you know, we've got to figure out ways how to limit our carbon footprint. And, you know, and again, that continues to be that debate, but the reality is that, no matter what, we need to have a clean living environment, not only for, for our families and, and kids, but the next generations behind us. And, and I think to me, yes, it is about the technology. Yes, we're very passionate about that. We're very passionate about the people. But when you really get down to it, 
it's really about, you know, creating a better environment for all of us. Yeah, cool, cool. It's been so great to speak with you, Dean. Um, I I think we see eye to eye on a lot of issues in this smart city space. Um, I really enjoy the buying back of time and using our resources more efficiently because I think that is part of, like, definitely part of this. And I think maybe that's one of the other things that we're maybe not talking about enough. That it's like you said, it's not just about that tech space, but how we can use the things that we already have more efficiently, which hopefully will save us cash as well as, um, you know, have a better impact on the environment too. Well, I mean, we just look at the road systems today. And, and again, whether you're you're here or you're in London or, or anywhere else or Dubai, I mean, it's, you could, own, we only have so much space and, and to go out and, and, and again, spend the money f- to putting a new lane on the highway system to accommodate the traffic. I've never seen where that's been done and literally time it's done, you drive the same stretch of road where there's now the additional lane and guess what? It's jammed. It's already packed. So we can't just keep building, you know, from four lanes to six lanes to eight lanes. It doesn't make any sense. So we've got to figure out a better way to manage you know, traffic flow. And I think this kind of concept and this technology and where we're at today, we can help do things like that and manage those kind of situations where we're not having to reinvent the wheel in terms of going out and building and rebuilding. And again, that requires such capitalization. And and again, just, you know, the impact on the environment, we can do it a much smarter way. And again, makes us all, you know, we have a better life. I mean, we're not paying as much in taxes. You know, we have more take-home pay. Um, the quality of the environment is so much better off. The whole concept behind smart cities to me is is a very exciting one. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, I had that same conversation um, just yesterday about um, building new roads and then they're filling up, uh, build it, and they will come. So I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> well, It's been awesome to chat with you um, today, and I really just have one last question, which is how can people connect with you? The best way to connect to me is through my my website, and I'll also provide my email. Right. Uh, The firm, again, is T.D. Madison & Associates, and I can be reached at tdmadison.com. That's awesome. I'll put all the links in the show notes, um, and people can click away and connect with you. That's awesome. Thanks again for chatting with me. Thanks again for for, uh, hosting this, and uh, I appreciate your time. Cheers. Bye. It's the Smart City Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Smart City Podcast. Show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at thesmartcitypodcast.com. If you have any questions or comments for me or any of my guests, connect with me via email, zoe at thesmartcitypodcast.com or via the socials. I'm on Twitter and Facebook at smartcitypod. As always, I hope you enjoyed listening to this episode as much as I enjoyed making it. Smart City Podcast is what you're looking for.